Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And with me today is my good friend, Brett Dawson from the Oklahoman, who is about ready for vacation, right? Vacation a couple days from now, finally? Like t- two days away. I'm, I'm actually out uh, t- Thursday night. So, yes, almost there. That's great. Uh, the way the way the NBA works, August is always the month that everybody finally gets to take a break. So I'm happy to hear you're uh, you're finally get some time. I'm looking forward to it in a couple of weeks myself. But before we get there, uh, it's been an interesting six weeks or so for the Thunder. Uh, much more interesting, I think, than I or anybody else really expected. Going back to the stunning trade uh, for Paul George on the on June 30th, the night free agency was just getting underway uh, at midnight on July 1st, and a couple hours before. Paul George gets uh, dealt to the, the Thunder in a pretty stunning trade. So uh, I guess from my perspective, uh, Brett, did you expect Sam Presti to make a big trade? Um, and did you think at the time that he was trying to when the Paul George trade came down? I expected them to try to do something. I think like a lot of people, I looked at the roster and just thought, I don't know where the move is. I don't know what they're going to move to get something really big in return. Um, and I think the thing I've learned in a year covering Sam Presti you don't see these things coming. People ask all the time, like, what's the next big trade? Well, we, you know, nobody saw this one. Nobody saw Paul George on the horizon. It just sort of happened. I think, you know, uh, he had his his exit interview press conference, Sam Presti did, and he basically said, you know, we're going to improve internally. We have a lot of good young talent. This talent's going to be cultivated and be brought along. And nobody really believed that that's all he wanted to do was bring back the core because it's the core of a, a team that won 47 games. And that's not really the standard around here. And it's certainly not the standard when Russell Westbrook is going to be 29 when the next season starts. So I, I don't think anybody thought they wanted to stand pat. I think the question was whether they had the pieces to make a big move like this. And obviously with Paul George, there were just some extenuating circumstances. And they're able to pull off a trade that still – I talked to somebody today who was talking about it still just shocking to most people around the league. Yeah, I mean, everybody wasn't shocked that Paul George got traded, right? I mean, right. everybody was kind of thinking, all right, Paul George is going to get sent somewhere. But nobody thought he was going to Oklahoma City. And to your point, looking at the roster, you know, I, I remember I saw you a couple days before that trade happened. We were at uh, the award show in New York. Yep. And I asked Russell Westbrook, you just spent 15 minutes saying how great Oklahoma City is and how great the state of Oklahoma is and how great the Thunder are. Are you going to sign an extension there? And he did everything but answer the question. And that corroborated everything I heard up to that point, which is that Russ wasn't going to sign that extension um, to keep him there for a long time. And that would make him a free agent next summer, like you said. So that did kind of set the thunder up in a situation where they had to make a big swing. But looking at the roster, you just never would have expected that Victor Oladipo and Demata Sabonis were going to be enough to get Paul George even for a year. Yeah, you know, I've asked a bunch of people, and nobody's given me a straight answer to this, but but I do believe the answer to this is no. And the question was, if if Victor Oladipo had played at UCLA, could they have made that trade? Would Indiana have made that trade? Um, and, and I don't know that they would have. I think his Indiana ties and the fact that he's very popular there, I think that had to play a part. The fact that you could get a guy like that who's so well-liked there and is is controlled. He's on a controlled contract. I always One thing I always said about that, that Oladipo contract, and you can argue the opposite is true of the Adams contract, but the Oladipo contract was super tradable. I mean, the day they signed it, you thought they can move that if they need to. I didn't expect it to happen this soon. I didn't expect it to happen for Paul George. But I think the fact that he's a guy who for Indiana will sell some tickets – and who will engender some good feelings with the fan base. I think that had to play a part because if you just look at it, 
you know, on paper, it's Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. It's, it's not a whole lot to give up for Paul George. No, and they clearly liked Oladipo for the Indiana ties. I want to I go back for one second, though. Do you, do you think that the Steven Adams contract is less tradable than the Victor Oladipo contract today? It's, uh, I mean, it's a bigger contract. It's, it's more money, and it's for a center uh, today. And obviously, he's a little different than some of these guys who, you know, there's, there's just not much of a market for these offensive centers who can't defend. He can defend. But that number's a big number, and and I, I think I I think if the trade were right, you could deal him. I don't think they want to. I think they view him as a really important piece for them. Um, but I think it might be hard. I, you know, when they signed him, I thought it's a little less than the max, and he probably could have gotten the max out on the market somewhere. The way the market went this year, I'm I'm not so sure. I don't think that would have happened necessarily because just look at the way it dried up for people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think the Oladipo one by the nature of. Just the amount of money, I, I always felt that was a more tradable deal. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think Steven Adams is very tradable, and I think it would have been easier to trade than Oladipo. But that is a fair point. And look, you know, that was a bad contract that they signed with Oladipo, I think. And I, I thought it was at the time. And as you saw how free agency played out this year, it, it would have been a bad contract. But it doesn't matter because Sam Press is able to pull a rabbit out of a hat and use it, like you said, give it to you know, give Oladipo to maybe the one team in the league that was most interested in him, you know, getting him back to Indiana. I'm with you 100%. That had to play some factor uh, in him going there. And and now, all of a sudden, you've got Paul George and Russell Westbrook under contract for this upcoming season, which, you know, I don't think – I never thought that Westbrook, like I said before, was going to sign that extension. But now it puts them in a perfect situation where you go into the season, you swing for the fences. If you can keep both those guys, great. If not, you got off some bad money. You took a swing, and now you basically have a, an open cap sheet and Stephen Adams to start over with. Right, and and you know the thing about the Oladipo contract, the one thing if you look at just sort of consistent things about the Thunder, sort of basic tenets of the Thunder, one thing is they got him under control. They they needed to sign him. You can debate back and forth whether the amount was a good amount and all that, um, but he could if he had gotten to restricted free agency. This never happens. They never have a chance to get Paul right. George, and so they needed to get him under control. That was the that was the biggest win of that contract. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, look, I think there's still a chance. I, I'm of the mind that even if Russell Westbrook doesn't sign this massive extension, it does not rule out the possibility that he's coming back to Oklahoma City. I still think there's a possibility that he would sign a shorter term deal with options, do whatever he can do. He doesn't have that option this year. All he can do is sign the five-year Supermax on top of the year that he's already got left. So I still think there's a chance he could come here, play it out if he doesn't sign. And and I'm not 100% convinced he won't sign before the start of the season. Um, but even if he doesn't, I don't think it necessarily spells the end of his time in Oklahoma City by any stretch. No, I agree. And the thing people have to know is that even though it is called the Supermax extension that Russ can sign, it's not giving him any more money than if he waits till next summer. It's not like James Harden or John Wall who signed – extensions this summer where they got more money guaranteed than they would have if they waited. And for, for Russ, he's already at the 10 year mark after this year. So he's not getting extra money. And look, if let's be honest, right. If Russ blew his knee out tomorrow, it's not like the thunder wouldn't offer him a five-year max next July anyway. So if he doesn't sign, I'm with you. I, I don't think that people should immediately read that into him leaving. It should just be that he, there's no reason really for him to lock himself in when it's not getting him any extra money to do anything now. Right, and and the fact that Paul George is – look, Paul George said the first day he was here, he said at the press – the only – you know, he's only been here a couple of days. Uh, he said at that press conference that he hoped – that Russ would align with him basically in free agency. They would become free agents at the end of the year together and they would be able to kind of make some decisions based on what the other guy did. Um, Sam Presti said he had gotten no indication from, from Russell Westbrook or his representation that that was part of Westbrook's plan, but it would make a lot of sense 
to be part of Westbrook's plan. It would it make a lot of sense would. to just kind of see, you know, again, he's 29. This is a team that they got a little older. They, you know, they, they, they added Paul George, obviously he's a veteran. Patrick Patterson has been around. Raymond Felton's been around a long time. They're more in line with sort of where he is in his career than they were last year. But if Paul George leaves, everything is different again. And so, you know, it makes a lot of sense for him to kind of weigh his options. Now, that doesn't mean he might not. It's Russell Westbrook. So, like, we, we don't know what he's thinking. The guy is, right. you know, he's, he's a hard guy to read. It doesn't mean that before the start of the season he won't say, you know what? I like it there. I do luggage commercials about how great it is. I'm going <laughs> to sign this ad. And I'm going si- to sign this contract, and I'm going to stay. Right. There's, there's no – there's there's no certainty about that at all. But the one thing I think people should very much know is that if he gets to the start of the season, which is the deadline, and he doesn't sign it, people shouldn't go crazy about this trading frenzy. I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I think if it gets to that point, it's still a wait and see and see if you can sign him to some kind of deal that isn't a five-year deal next year or maybe even still the five-year deal. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think they're both there till the end of the season. I don't think either one of them signs, and then we'll see what happens. But there, like you, you just mentioned, there was another couple interesting signings this summer. I thought most notably Patrick Patterson, a guy you know well from covering him back at Kentucky. Um, I, I thought, you know, when Todd Gibson got traded to the Thunder last season, you thought, all right, here's a veteran power forward could slide in next to uh, Stephen Adams, play its play its power forward for them, and it, it's a nice fit. He gets a two-year deal for $28 million at free agency. And then Sam Presti manages to go get Patrick Patterson, who's a better fit because he's a better shooter, even though I think he's probably not quite as good of an overall player. It gets him for a third of the money. Um, I just thought that was a really great move by Presti to get Patterson and, and give the Thunder some extra shooting and a, a stretch four, which is something I thought they really could use last year and didn't have. Yeah, I mean, that's what they wanted DeMontis Sabonis to be. And they wanted him to be more than just that. But you want a guy out there at that spot who can make threes and who you can sort of park in the corner some. Uh, and that lets you let Andre Robertson, who's who's sort of your two guard now. It lets him offensively be a power forward in a lot of ways. He'll be on the block some. He'll cut. You know, you, you can you can free him up to do the kinds of things that he was so effective at in the playoffs when they had Kevin Durant. This Paul George and Patrick Patterson create uh, you know, a facsimile of Kevin Durant and 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 Serge Ibaka. It's not the same, but some of the things will be similar, and and uh, Robertson's role certainly will be similar. So I, I think that's one of the reasons that Patterson was a better fit. I think with Patterson, the market wasn't as strong. I think as probably he expected it to be. Um, but also he wanted to be here. That's a big part of it for him. Um, you know, I, I don't know for a fact that he couldn't gotten more money elsewhere, but I know he really wanted to be here. That's from talking to a lot of people. And one of the reasons is, you know, frankly. Uh, an experience I was around for. He came down to literally the 11th hour with Florida and Kentucky, and he loved Billy Donovan and wanted to play for Billy Donovan and saw a chance to do it again and didn't want to pass on it. And, you know, I don't think very often that a coach plays a huge part in a free agent's decision, but I think in this case, it's a pretty significant piece. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know that situation about anybody. And, and, and look, you know, Billy, Billy Donovan doesn't get a lot of credit, um, you know, because a lot of NBA people don't really know him yet. He's only been there a couple of years, but he is a really good guy. And he's been involved in Team USA stuff for a long time. And he's a guy that, you know, he may not, like you said, coaches don't necessarily always factor in, but he is a guy that I think if, if it comes down to a choice between a couple of guys, like Billy Donovan being there is going to have an influence, I think, at times and potentially open the door for some people. You can even argue that last summer when Al Horford flirted with the Thunder for a minute, um, you know, because Kevin Durant was there, there's there's no small part of that is the fact that Billy Donovan was his coach at Florida, too. 
Yeah, there's no question. I mean, they feel like they were going to get Al Horford if Kevin Durant was here. Whether that's true or not, who knows? Because Horford is kind of, it seems like whoever, it seemed like during the year, whenever somebody asked Horford about a team, he would say, oh, yeah, they were definitely they were like, in right the, there. There's no question. Yeah. There is but no they, question the Thunder were in the mix for him. Right. Despite, and they, they despite felt Despite the talk later, they, there, was right. real, there was a real possibility they could make that happen. Yeah. And he has said since then that, that, that they were in the mix. And I think certainly would have been in the mix. Very much in the mix uh, with Durant. And so, yeah, and, and a big part of that is certainly Billy Donovan. There's no question. And, and he, he obviously has the connection to those Florida guys. But we, you know, uh, Fred Katz from Norman and I joke all the time, Billy went to high school with everybody. He knows everybody. And so there's, <laughs> yes, he does. there's like some connection to everybody. And the fact that a lot of these guys, when they were, you know, high school All-Americans, even the guys who didn't play for him, he, they got recruited by him. He formed good relationships. A lot of guys around the league really like him from back in those days. Yeah, and like I said, he has spent a lot of time with Team USA, which is no small thing. Yeah. I mean, these guys are in Team USA every summer now, and it going back to when they're like 14, 15 years old, and he's coached some, I think, U17 and U19 teams. I mean, he, he's been around these guys a lot, and there's no question, like you said, that that, that could be a factor for them. You mentioned earlier that uh, the Thunder were able to get uh, Andre Robertson back. Um, You're talking about his fit in the offense. They re-signed him this summer, uh, gave him, I believe, a three-year deal for $30 million. Um, yep. You know, pretty. I thought a pretty good deal. Obviously, he has some limitations offensively, but he's an amazing defensive player. And like you said, when you add Patrick Patterson and now you add Paul George, all of a sudden you can get back to where they were a couple of years ago. When you have two or three really good shooters around him, it kind of mitigates some of the offensive issues that Robertson poses for teams. Yeah, he took too many threes last year. And he took so many threes because he was playing on the perimeter and he was open. Um, you know, he's going to be open again when he's out there. People aren't going to guard him. Uh, from three-point range, and if he knocks a few down like he did in the playoffs against Houston, that's a nice bonus, but that's not what you want him doing. It's not his strength. Um, you know, Neither is free-throw shooting, as has been well-documented. He's not a good free-throw shooter. He's not a good shooter in general. He's not a very good offensive player, but if you look at that Houston series, you know that's where they kind of got him on the move a little bit. He can cut to the basket. Uh, he's, he's a pretty good, uh, you know, not a bad post-up player, uh, he can he can create some things against smaller guys, so they like him going back into a role. The biggest thing for Paul, the biggest thing with them with Paul George is that you're adding a top, you know, whatever you want to call Paul George, a top ten, top twelve, top fifteen player in the league. Right. But the secondary thing is just what he does for everybody else. It frees up Robertson to go back to a role that he was really comfortable in. It when slides Durant everybody was here. down a spot. Yep, gives Stephen Adams a bunch of space. Whereas last year, you could take away that even even with all the focus you have on Westbrook defensively, you could still take away the pick and roll lob to Stephen Adams. Now you gotta you gotta pay so much attention to two guys on the perimeter. You got Westbrook, you got George. It's gonna create a whole lot more space for Adams. They are very excited about what this does for Adams, um, and you know it just puts some other guys in uh, positions like Ennis Canner, for example, is now a nice luxury player. Whereas last year, he was such a vital part of your offense. You had to have him out there. If he was struggling defensively, it was hard to take him out. Your team had so much trouble scoring. Now your starting lineup is going to score a lot more easily. And what he does off the bench as a really, really good offensive player is a bonus. It's a nice treat to have. But on days when he just can't play defensively, you don't have to worry about playing him. These are the kinds of things that Paul George really impacts for them. Yeah, no question at all. And it also, you would certainly think that one of Paul George or, or Russell Westbrook will be on the court at all times, which would also, you know, mitigate some of those second unit issues they had when Russell Westbrook wasn't on the court and they had Samaj Christian and, uh, you know, a bunch of bozos usually out there running around jacking up shots and, and really struggling when their starting unit was on the bench. Yeah, you know, Raymond Felton helps them just from a standpoint that they needed competency there. They just needed like a backup point guard who in the minutes when Westbrook is off the floor – 
is just just knows what he's doing. He's just a steady hand in the NBA who's been around. They just absolutely didn't have that. Whether that's a really that's a really underrated thing. Like the yeah. Wizards, the Wizards is the same thing. Getting Tim Frazier from New Orleans, like their their backup point guard. Whenever John Wall was on the bench, they just got destroyed last year. And just just not getting destroyed when your star is on the bench is a really big thing because it it really it really elevates your team if you're just able to kind of tread water when your best players are on the bench. No question. But what it also means, like, that helps them so much. And it, not like, you know, a lot of people said, well, like, they would have been much better last year with Raymond Felton. And that's true. They didn't want a couple of games here or there. But they were a, a weird team last year. They won more games than they should have anyway. So that's not, right. you know, he's not a huge difference maker. But he does help in those moments. But the other thing is that they've got Paul George now. And I think they'll be comfortable with him in a way they weren't with Oladipo in giving him the ball sometimes when Russ is off the floor, Paul George will just have the ball at times and he'll be the guy who's kind of creating and doing some things because he has that capability. They really lacked that last year because Oladipo, when he had the ball, turned the ball over a lot and they never really got comfortable with him being a, a secondary ball handler. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. No, that's definitely true. And and, and I, I do think it'll be a little interesting, though, to see uh, how that plays out with Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook. I mean, I would imagine you would you would certainly think that one of the things you guys will be watching Oklahoma City early in the year is is kind of how the balance between those those two guys plays out. Because unlike, you know, if you go back a couple of years ago when Kevin Durant was still there, you know, there was always the questions about how him and Russ would coexist and the, the issues with, oh, is this guy shooting too much or is this guy not passing the ball? Whereas last year, you know, like you said, there was there were some questions about Oladipo and Russ just was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do at all times. You would think that's going to be reined in at least somewhat now. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he can adapt to that. You know, he's done it. He's played that way before. He, right. He's he's played with Durant. And whether you think he shot too much or, you know, he he didn't defer enough or whatever, he's played with him and both guys were really good. And, and we see, you know, last year both guys kind of better away from each other. But they were really good players together. I think what's going to be really interesting to me uh, about those two guys together. And I think George is a great fit for Westbrook. I think they're going to, I think they fit really well together. Yeah, I think too. they have really complimentary skill sets. What will be interesting is the one place where Westbrook really consistently deferred to Durant was in the last few minutes, uh, in the final minute of games. Um, that was really Durant's time. He had the ball more often than not. He had those big shots. Um, and Westbrook did. I mean, that, if you look back at it, Westbrook deferred in those situations. And those guys last year, after Durant was gone, some of the guys I remember, uh, Maurice Cheeks telling Eric Horn, my, my beat writing partner, look, Russ has always had the ability to go do that. He let Kevin do it, but he can do it. And we saw last year, he was great in those situations, like historically great, so great that it skewed how good they really were. Their, their 47 wins were a product of how incredible he was in those situations. You've got a situation in Paul George where, you know, just last year, just the past playoffs, Paul George got into a situation where he didn't get a last shot and said, 
I've got to get that last shot. Now, I expect him to be a little bit more open to Russell Westbrook being the guy taking that shot instead of some of the guys he was playing with in Indiana. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. Is it still all Russ all the time when the game is close down the stretch? Or is he going to let Paul George be the guy in some of those moments? That, that to me, will be intriguing to, to follow. Well, that was always the funny thing is then we saw that ridiculous Gatorade commercial with Paul George making the game-winning shot right. like 8 billion times over the rest of the playoffs after he missed a couple game, you know, game time, game-winning shots of that Cleveland series and had that moment where he basically torched C.J. Miles for shooting that right. shot, which was a good shot because he was Miles wide was open. Good. Right. C.J. Miles was wide open. I mean, he's the right play. And just, you know, that all it was just – one of many funny moments throughout the playoffs. But we've touched on a lot of things with the roster. As you look at it now, obviously a great job by Sam Presley this summer. Probably one of the best jobs of any GM in the league. Um, but as we are about a month out from training camp starting, what questions do you see uh, still need to be answered with this Thunder squad, whether it's you know a move or two down here over these last few weeks of the offseason, or just what do you want to see once things get underway and see how things fit? Well, they got to make one move because they got 16 guys under contract. Um, so they have to get rid of one guy. Somebody's got to go or they got to make some kind of two for one trade. They have Samaj Christian sitting there and they can waive him. They had a deadline to do that. They extended it through training camp. So they have to waive him uh, before the, uh, I don't know exactly what the date is it, within training camp. They got to make that decision on him. They can waive him at no cost. There won't be any guarantee there. So he's the easy play. But the fact that they extended that deadline indicates to me they're trying to find some other thing they could do. To create a space. Otherwise, they would have just waived him then. They could have waived him in June. They didn't. That tells me that they're looking at a way to keep him right. uh, and have him have a third point guard. They've usually historically always carried a third point guard. Uh, like I said, if they got into a situation where they had to play their third point guard, I guarantee you Paul George has the ball in his hands more often than not. But they still want that guy. They still want to. I think they would still like to have that guy. If you can't have him, it's Samaj Christian. He's a nice you know, young player. It's not a big deal if you can't keep him. But if they could find a way to move Kyle Singler, there's always the option. You know, they could stretch Kyle Singler if that was something they wanted to do. If they could move a guy for some picks, uh, if they could trade two guys for one somewhere down the road, I think they'd like to keep Christian around if they could. But that's that's one big question for them. It's it's the biggest roster question uh, outside of whether they have one more big move in them. I, you know, I, I never put a whole lot of stock into the Carmelo Anthony talk. Um, usually when something like that comes up, if it's the thunder, if it, if it comes out, it's not really that serious because they keep everything so close to the vest, um, when they're really engaged in something. So I, I never thought the Carmelo thing was that serious. It's also just hard to figure out what the trade would be. Like, what would they give up? Yeah. For? I mean, Ennis Canner is the one piece you have that, that works. And I, I don't, I right, don't know what Steven Adams and I can't right. imagine the thunder would trade Steven Adams for Carmelo. No, it's hard to imagine. It, it's just it was never an easy thing to figure out how it worked unless the Knicks really wanted Canner. Um, and I I don't know what the what the great desire for that would be. I mean, it, <laughs> right. Canner's a really good offensive player who's going to come off the bench for most teams, and I, I don't right. know where that you know where that fits. Um, so yeah, like I don't I don't think that's a great fit with with Porzingis. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So you know, do they have one more big move? A lot of people are asking that. I don't think so. But the way Presti moves, you know, we we wouldn't know if he did. So. Uh, you know, I, I think they they could, you know, if you if you could find a really high level power forward or shooting guard, uh, and there was a move that would work, uh, I could see them doing it. But I, I don't see where that move is for them. Again, I'm the guy who's admitting I was looking at the roster at the beginning of the offseason and saying I don't see the move. So Sam Presti sees moves we don't see, but on on paper it's hard to pick one out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really see it either. I mean, as far as the actual uh, upcoming season goes, what what is the thing outside of the the Russ and obvious Russ and Paul George stuff that you're right. most curious to see? Yeah, I'm interested to see if if I am interested to see how George impacts those other guys, just what Adams looks like if he's sort 
sort of a, a return to the form of two years ago. He made a jump offensively. He's a better player. But I, I think there's a lot more that he could do by – in a weird way. I think he can be better by simplifying his role, looking a lot more like it looked two years ago. Um, I'm interested to see uh, Robertson. I'm interested to see the fit with Patterson. The guy I think I really want to see who I think has the chance to make a little bit of a leap – uh, is Alex Abrinas. I'm really curious what he's going to be um, with more minutes. He was his, his playing time wasn't consistent last year. Uh, physically, he wasn't really ready for the NBA. He apparently has gotten a lot stronger. Everybody does in the offseason. No, no skinny player has ever gone into his <laughs> first right. offseason and not gotten way stronger. So he's on muscle watch. Everybody's, but I, I either, gain, everybody's either gained muscle or lost yeah, weight. Exactly. So, but I am interested to see him. I, I think he showed some stuff last year. He, he's a really good shooter. That's nobody ever had any question about that. Um, but he showed a little bit of fight last year defensively. He's not a good defender, but he tries. Um, I think he's he puts it on the floor a little better than we thought. He had a couple of really like like the kind of dunks that made everybody you know eyes pop a little because you didn't think he could do it. Uh, he's got some of that in him. So I, I want to see if he can kind of make a jump because I think that's important. Their second unit is still you know that's where they struggled so much last year, and they should be a little better there if he makes a jump. Um, you know, and, and Jeremy Grant is maybe a little bit better, but. Grant had kind of a, a, a three-point shooting year last year that you wonder if is a, is a fluke or if it's just natural progression. So I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see what they do with Doug McDermott. Before the Paul George trade, there was a lot of talk about playing McDermott and Abrinas together in that second unit because they did that with Houston, and it looked pretty good at times. Um, but if you're looking at a second unit with McDermott and Abrinas and Canner on it, yeah, you're starting to have a lot of questions defensively. So, gu- I was going to say, you're not guarding anybody with that group. Yeah, exactly. Now, that team should, should be able to score, uh, particularly if Canner would get back to passing out of double teams, which he did uh, very well up until the point when he hurt his forearm and then came back and just stopped doing it entirely. Um, <laughs> right. So, I, I, you know, he just kind of reverted to an old habit there. And, and the playoffs, it was sad. He just refused to pass the ball out of the, out of the post. So, you know, I, I'm interested in that second unit. It was such a sore spot last year. Uh, I think Felton helps upgrade it. I think a, a jump from Abrinas helps. Um, but it's still something that you'll go into the season a little unsure about. You know, the, last year you wondered about their bench. You wondered about their three-point shooting. They're a better three-point shooting team now. Um, you know, they should be they should be a kind of middle-of-the-league kind of three-point shooting team instead of one of the worst teams in the league uh, from long range. So they, they, should be a, a, they should be better at that. I think the bench will be better, but I'm curious to see. So with all that being said, what are your expectations for them? We talked about this a little bit earlier for something you're working on, but what, um, what, what, are, what are your expectations of this group right now? Well, I think, I mean, I think they have everything they need to have to compete for I, – I think there's three teams that are competing for the two, frankly. I think they have a chance to be there. I, I'm not saying I think they're the second-best team in the West. I don't. On paper, they're not. But I think you know Houston, San Antonio, and, and Oklahoma City I think will be competing – uh, for two, three, four, I think those teams will be kind of fighting it out, and I, and I think that they're, I, I think by just the nature of adding Paul George to Russell Westbrook, they have a chance to compete um, at that level. I think they got a chance to fight for the two. I don't think it's a given that Houston and San Antonio are both clearly better than them because I I think this is a really good pairing. I think if you start talking about guys to add with Russell Westbrook, George would be really high on the list. If he wouldn't be first, he'd he'd be high. Maybe Kevin Durant would be first, but you know you 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 look at. The guys who fit really well with him, George is really high on that list. So I think they've got a chance. I, I expect, you know, they're going to fight to to host a first-round series. I would expect them to be right there. Uh, I would not expect them to fall below the four, but that's because I'm not quite as high on Minnesota as some people are. Um, you know, I expect Minnesota to be fifth probably, and I, I expect the Thunder to be – I think they'll be clearly in the top four, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's a matter of where they fall in that two, three, four range. So you, you think that they're a clear step above Minnesota? 
I think so because of I, I mean, and, and this might be this might be uh, uh, a dated way of thinking, but. You know, I just think they've got a lot of guys. They, first of all, they don't have as big a jump to make as Minnesota did. Minnesota's gotten a lot better. They've added a lot of pieces, but they were so far down the pecking order last yep. year. They got a huge leap to make. The Thunder doesn't have a huge leap to make. And the other thing I think, you know, I was talking to, to Seku Smith today from NBA.com about this, and he was saying, you know, one of the things that people are underrating here is that, you know, if you look at Paul George, you know, you look at last year – this has not been a great Indiana team, obviously, the last couple of years, but this guy's been there. I mean, he's been through it. He's He's gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's competed with LeBron James in a way that not many guys in the East ever have um, and, and been on teams that pushed Miami when LeBron was there. So I, I think they've added a guy who, to me, he's got the kind of experience that some of these other additions around the, the in the West don't have. I, I think that that puts them a, a level above a team like Minnesota that has so many guys who haven't done it yet. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I like I was, I was talking before with you. I mean, I think they're in that that four or five range probably with with the Wolves kind of fighting for home court. But I, I don't think it takes a lot for them to get into that two three spot. And you know, look, we know who's sitting in the number one spot, barring catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, and and if you can avoid them as long as possible, that is a huge thing. And it, for a team that really needs to make a deep playoff run to try to convince Paul George to stick around. Um, and, and by extension, Russell Westbrook, you know, if you can, if you can avoid, if you're the Thunder and you can avoid that, that four or five spot and get into the two, three, give yourself a real chance to get to the conference finals and at least go toe to toe with the Warriors. And, you know, who knows, maybe they have an injury, maybe something happens, then you really have a chance to really go at them. That that's as good of a recruiting pitch as you're possibly going to have. So with that in mind, what just as of right now, with a lot of things left to figure out, kind of where would you put them in right now if you had to if you had to predict it? I think they're three four. I mean, I, I think it's safe to put them fourth because I you know I, I think on paper you look at Houston and I like that and San Antonio is San Antonio and like part of me wants to say the Thunder is going to be third and San Antonio is going to be fourth, um, but it's San Antonio and I can't bring myself. You know, I, I think they're one of the. We talked about this earlier today. If you look at it on paper, I think they're one of the few teams in the West that didn't get significantly better or at least somewhat better, San right. Antonio. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, they still have Kawhi and they still have Pop, and it's hard for me to think that they're not going to be a top three seed. You just learn um, over time not to bet against them. Yeah, it's one, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like I say a lot in sports, until I see differently, I'm just not going to say differently. You right. know, just let me see it. Until somebody proves me wrong, I'm going to keep thinking that they're going to be in that top three mix. I don't think it's crazy for Oklahoma City to be the two. I really don't. But if I had to pick right now, I think they'd be the four. And and by the way, to your point, the whole recruiting pitch for Paul George. Look, they they had fans here at the airport, right? They had a big party yep. that was very unlike the Thunder. The only pitch, none of that stuff matters. The pitch is we are good at winning. We have always found ways to win. Let us prove to you that staying here is your best path to winning. And that's all that that's the whole thing. That and and Russ is, is fun to play with. You and have to be, I, I, think, I think he's got to learn, you know, we got to see if they get along. Right. If those two things are true, if he and Russ get along, they play well together, and these guys are positioned to win in the future, that is the recruiting pitch. That's I, all that matters. And I, I think it has a real shot of working. I, I also think there's a very real shot they both leave. But I, I think if, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals or they go seven games with, you know, the Rockets or they – they win a game or two off the Warriors, and it's a it's a close five game series. Like say that Nets Heat series in 2014, where that I covered, where I think four of the five games was a one or two possession game in the last yeah. two minutes. Like I think then you've got a real chance to keep him if you're the Thunder. Um, so I I don't think that's a that's a foolish thought at all. Um, and, and the last thing, kind of along those lines, 
What is your gut prediction right now on those two guys? Like, what do you what do you think happens with them? I, my, my, I have I've never thought that they were necessarily aligned. Um, you know, if I had to guess right now, I I think Russell Westbrook is going to be a Thunder player for if not all most of his career. I think he's going to sign another contract, whether it's that five year extension that he can sign or it's something shorter at the end of the year. I still have in the in my gut, I still think he's going to be back. It's very hard to predict that, obviously. Um, with Paul George, I, to me. Look, my thought has always been that this was probably a one-year situation. I think everybody enters into it feeling that way. The one thing I would say about it, and if if you told me right now I have to pick one or the other, I'd say he's gone. I would say he's not back next year. The one thing I would say that that I've gotten every indication I've gotten from a whole bunch of people is he's doing the one thing that they really wanted him to do, which is they believe he's genuinely come in with an open mind. And that's all they really want. They want the idea. They want him to be open to a pitch. They want him to be open to the idea that this is the best place for him. And every indication is that he at least has that because I, I do think he cares about winning. I don't think he cares just there's no about. Question, there's no question being in that LA. He knows. It's, it's, it's no not just a thing about playing for the Lakers. Right. The Laker thing is real. It's very real. There's no question about it. From a bunch of people I've talked to, he wants to play for the Lakers. But he's not going to go to the Lakers bar. I mean, like if LeBron is going to go there, okay, that's something different. But if, if Paul George going to what they have now is the thing, if it's like Paul George and Lonzo Ball, I, I don't know that that's going to be super appealing to him. And so I, I think he's open to the idea of staying here if it can be proven to him that it is a place where they're going to build a winner. So, you know, if I had to guess, I, my, my brain is still wired to think that the allure of a bigger place is going to be really appealing to him. And I would say if I had to choose today, um, I would say I don't think he's going to be here. But I would say that since they made the move, uh, I've become more convinced that he's at least open to the idea. Yeah, I, I with you. I think he's a guy that really cares about winning, and I, I think they've got a real shot. I personally think they're either both there or both gone. Yeah, uh, because it's hard for me to see a guy like Russell Westbrook, as competitive as he is, signing up at thirty to be on a team that's not very good. And if 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 Paul George leaves and he stays, their ceiling is what they did last year. And it's just it's just hard for me to see. Uh, it's hard for me to see him signing up for that, which is why I thought, like I said earlier, I thought this was a brilliant move by Sam Presti because it's it's a it's the perfect roll of the dice, right? Yep. You either have two top 15 players in a league or top 10, or like you said before, however you want to define those guys. You have two elite players, and you have a legitimate chance to be, at worst, one of the last four teams standing every year for the next three or four or five years. Or you just completely start over, you rebuild through the draft, and you do it all over again. But this is this gives you your best chance to keep both of those guys and because neither one of them was probably going to stay in a situation like this by themselves. So that, that's why, to me, I just I just thought it was a brilliant move. And, you know, it's just the latest, you know, excellent move by a guy that's, you know, established himself correctly as one of the best GMs in the league. Yeah, I think we can safely say this. There, there's a good chance they could both leave. There's a there's a pretty good chance they could both end up staying. I think there's a chance that Russ could stay and Paul George could leave. There's no chance that Russ can leave in Paul exactly. George. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like zero percent. Yeah, that's that's the only that's the only scenario that that won't happen. So, um, all right. Well, Brett, thanks a lot, man. This was great. I appreciate the time. Fit me in before vacation. Uh, good luck with the rest of your week, and enjoy your t- well-deserved time off. Thank you. You you uh, take some yourself. Don't worry, it's coming soon. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Brett for stopping by. You can follow him on Twitter at BDawsonWrites, where he does a great job covering the Thunder for the Oklahoman. You should definitely check him out. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, and both on WashingtonPost.com and in the pages of the newspaper. Please find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get it, and give us a five-star rating and review. It's really helpful and also really appreciated. 
Also go check out some of our other cool podcasts like Constitutional, Can He Do That, and the Fantasy Football Beat. Thanks to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for providing the theme music for the podcast. Be sure to go find their work online and check it out. It's terrific stuff, just like the theme music is, which is great and something I get complimented about as much as anything else on the pod. We'll be back next week with a couple more podcasts, but until then, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.